Thank you, Rick and Nancy. John chapter 10, verse 1. John chapter 10, verse 1. While you're turning, let me thank all of you who are aware of the fact that uh, we had an orthopedic episode in our home uh, last week. Sharon was tidying up there in the laundry room and a very small, clear, flat clothes hanger was on the floor and it escaped her uh, notice until she stepped on it and it slipped out from under and she caught herself with her right arm and it broke her wrist. And this was uh, Thursday afternoon. Now on Friday, on Thursday afternoon at four o'clock, it's a challenge to try to find somebody that can see you before Monday morning. Uh, and we appreciate your prayers. Many people were already aware of this. I finally found a highly recommended hand specialist somewhere around 4.30, close to 5 o'clock. His nurse says he typically doesn't come into the clinic on Fridays, but I'll call him and see what he'll do. And he called back and said, uh, if you can be here at 9 in the morning, I'll, I'll look at this wrist. Well, you bet I was there at 9 in the morning because this was painful. And he was able to look at the wrist and determine surgery the best option and said, but I, unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to get to it until 1 o'clock this afternoon. Friday afternoon, by about 1.30, he was able to do the surgical procedure on that wrist. By 5 o'clock, we were at home. And uh, the wrist was repaired. And I know that was a God thing. <clears throat> Several people that I've talked to that's had to deal with orthopedic doctors said <laughs> that just doesn't happen. In fact, the man that recommended this man to us said he's booked up for weeks. But he was able to, to see us yesterday, I mean Friday afternoon. And I attribute that, of course, to uh, God's hand. And we appreciate your prayer. Sharon's feeling much better. But now I'm having second thoughts about that laundry room. <clears throat> I know people have done rodeo for years, hadn't broke a bone. And uh, I don't know if I'm going in there. It's serious business on that. But thank you for coming. Thank you for your prayers. Let's look at God's word. John chapter 10, beginning at verse 1. Would you stand as the scriptures read, please? Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the sheepfold, by the door... But climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings them out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers." Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he shall be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they might have life. They might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. 
Let's pray together, please. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for such a portrait of Jesus to help us understand him better. And I ask that all of us in this room would understand who Jesus is and where we are. We ask that you would make that very clear concerning our condition and our need for you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. The Bible gives us several portraits of Jesus concerning his work and his heart toward humanity. Uh, This is one of the most beautiful. The portraits of Jesus include the fact that he is the good shepherd. And he says this specifically several times in this chapter. I am the good shepherd. But then in verse 7 he says, I am the door of the sheep. And in verse 9, he says it again, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and go in and out and find pasture. So we have to ask ourselves the question, well, which is it? Is Jesus Christ the good shepherd or is Jesus Christ the door? And the answer is yes. And what he's dealing with is a particular circumstance concerning the life and the work of a shepherd. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the sheepfold. And, of course, we know the sheepfold in the home range where it is a built enclosure with a wooden door. But, you see, most of the year, the shepherd is in the wild with the sheep, leading them from pasture to pasture, depending on the time of the year, and he carries them to the best pastures for that time of the year. And the sheepfold out in the wild could be a cave, or a natural rock found formation, or even piled up rocks because they make the same circuit every year. Or a lot of times, if it's hastily put together, it's a lot of brush. It may be a lot of thorny uh, bushes and brush and so forth. And he'll make an enclosure to keep the sheep in. And he leaves a gap. And the gap that he leaves, he brings the sheep in. And then to protect the sheep, the shepherd lays in the gap. That's the picture of the good shepherd. The shepherd is the door. The shepherd lays down his life literally for the sheep. And the shepherd places himself between the sheep and the danger. And this is the heart of Jesus for all of humanity. Because in the fold, there's protection. Out of the fold, it's dangerous. And all the danger out of the fold was deadly. You see, the same thing goes with the spiritual realm. Sin is deadly. Sin is dangerous. And we see sin's penalty. And it is extremely deadly. The Bible says in the book of Romans, we're familiar with these passages. All have sinned and come short of God's glory. The Bible also says, back in Isaiah... We've all sinned. All of our righteousnesses are just like filthy rags. And we're all like sheep who have gone astray. All of us are stained with sin. And we all commit sin. We get old enough and we realize common sense tells us, yep, there's sin in my life. Sin's dangerous. Sin's deadly. Sin's destructive. What's going to happen? Jesus invites all of humanity in. And he says in verse 9, I'm the door. If anyone enters by me, he'll be 
saved. Now that word saved is used a lot of times in the New Testament to deal with that fact that there is a relationship between us and the Savior. Being saved is coming to the conclusion, yes, I'm a sinner. Yes, I am under the penalty of sin. And I am helpless to do anything about it. But I know that Jesus is the door. And I recognize that Jesus died for my sins to pay that penalty and he lives again. I believe that enough to ask him for salvation. That's what being saved is all about. And in the fold, we find protection. But there's only one way into the fold. And that only one way is the shepherd. And in the fold, there's security. In the fold, there's protection. And in the fold, there's companionship. See, one of the biggest problems in the world today is loneliness. People feel disconnected. And in the fold of Jesus Christ, there is companionship. There's companionship with Jesus Christ. There's companionship with each other in the flock of Christ. We need them both. And that is provided. But also in the fold, there's direction. In verse 3, To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them. The sheep follow him, for they know his voice. In verse 9, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. He will go in and out and find pasture. Now let's look at this word, he'll go in and out. Now, I just said in the fold there's protection. And you're saying, well, is there any way then we can lose our salvation and get out of the fold? Absolutely not. That's covered in verse 27 and 30. And let's deal with that before we move on. In verse 27, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life. They'll never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. You know what that sounds like? Safety. That sounds like a permanent salvation. That sounds like eternal life. Now that sounds totally illogical. But grace is illogical. And you see, that's where we get the, the idea of once saved, you're always saved. And I know a lot of people will bring up this question. Somebody says they're saved, and then they go out and do this horrible, hideous thing. They don't seem to care. What's about that? All we know is what they said. I do know this. If somebody does horrible things, and that does not bother them, they have some serious talking to do with the master, because I'm not sure about that relationship, and neither should they be sure about that relationship. But it's not talking about losing salvation. Besides that, let's just get, get this some, some straight talk here. If, if you could lose your salvation because of sin, at what point would you lose it? Does anybody know the line? No. Nobody knows the line. What, what's so bad that I could lose my salvation? Now, one sin stains me and disqualifies me from heaven. I need to be saved. After I trust Christ and come into the fold, how many sins will it take before I lose my salvation? Where is the line? If you can't tell me where the line is, 
well, then we can't say that we can lose our salvation. At what point do you know? At what point do you say, I've got to run back and do some things? You see, the line doesn't exist. The line can't be found. It is totally illogical to think that God would give us eternal life and say, oh, but that's not really eternal. You don't have it anymore. You see, when he says, if you'll trust me and truly surrender your life to me, you're saved and you're safe in the fold. But we're not talking about salvation when he says, I'm the door and I'm going to lead you in and out and find pasture. He's speaking of the life of a sheep in the care of the shepherd. And people, of course, knew this when he was talking to them. But since we live in a place where we do a lot of sheep care, uh, let's just look at exactly what went on. He talks about bringing them into the fold. He brought them into the fold at night because that's when the danger is. And he bring them into the fold for protection. That's the whole picture of the fold. Now, here's the thing. He wouldn't just blow the whistle and open the door, and they all came filing in. When nighttime came and the shepherd would bring them in, he would bring the sheep into the fold one at a time. He would get his staff and stand in the door and stop the sheep on their way in. And as the sheep was stopped, he would inspect them. He would look them over. Because through the course of the day, they may have gotten some bumps, some bruises, some wounds. And maybe it may not be that serious. You know, sheep have this big, long, fluffy wool on them. They may have picked up some pests along the way. Something literally might be bugging them before they went in for the night. And that was on purpose. You ever felt that way? You ever felt that way at the end of the day? Something's bugging you. Something happened during the day. Something you think about. You see, the shepherd knows this. The shepherd inspects the sheep. Sometimes through the day we get wounded, literally. Sometimes we get wounded emotionally, don't we? And as we come to the close of the day, the picture is the shepherd bringing the sheep into the fold, and one by one he looks them over very good. But not only that, something else that may happen through the day. You know, the sheep are out there, and they're grazing, and they have this big, long wool. They may pick up some dirt along the way. That's dangerous. That's dangerous for a sheep because if that wool gets too overloaded with dirt, it gets too heavy. If they lay down, they may not get back up because they get off balance. You see, can't hide it from the eyes of the shepherd. The shepherd stops the sheep, looks them over, and he sees everything. The psalmist says this in Psalm 139. It's a familiar passage of Scripture. I've read it before. I'm going to read it again and then follow up with one or two verses toward the end of the psalm. The 139th Psalm, verse 1. It's important for us to read this to realize who we're dealing with when we pray. It's important for us to get a good, clear view of the portrait of Jesus as the good shepherd. The good shepherd that stops the sheep before they go to bed at night and looks them over looks them over good and finds out what may be hurting them and find out what may be hiding in that wool that would not be good for them. 
In the 139th Psalm, verse 1, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thoughts afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down. You're acquainted with all of my ways. There's not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it all together. What does God not see in our lives? Absolutely nothing hidden from him. He sees it all. He sees it all. Now, does that make us uncomfortable? If it makes us uncomfortable, then there's a good sign that we really need this inspection. It makes me very comfortable that God would look at my life and see what's hurting me and see what's bothering me and see what's dangerous for me. Then again, you turn that coin around and it makes me uncomfortable when God looks at my life and he sees the sins that I may have picked up through the day, thoughts that shouldn't be there, activities, where have we been physically or on the computer? What's going on in our lives? Shepherd sees it all, and he inspects us. Now, here is the prayer of the heart that's right with the shepherd, down in verse 23 of this same psalm. <clears throat> Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. See if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Search me. Now, this is the heart of somebody who is inviting God to inspect their heart. Now, that is a big prayer because we know that our heart and our lives, sometimes we can pick up some things that are not godly. And we pray to him, you search me. And you examine me and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. Now the King James Version says, try me and know my thoughts. Well, that's, that's a good translation of this Hebrew word. You know my thoughts. Where does all sin start? Right here. Before my hands do something they shouldn't do. Before my feet go somewhere they shouldn't go. Before my mouth says something I shouldn't say. Where does it all start? starts up here. And when we're really right with the shepherd, we'll say, God, please examine my thoughts. But another translation of this Hebrew word, which New King James says, try me and know my anxieties. Now this is a really good illustration concerning the shepherd examining the sheep before they go into the fold at night to know their anxieties. What keeps us awake at night? Our worries, our anxieties. And a lot of times <clears throat> we're worried about something. We, we can't even get a clear view of it because it's so complicated. Perhaps we need to just say, Lord, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm worried about this. I can't even get a good picture about knowing what to ask for. This is such a complicated situation and it could go either way and I don't even know all the possibilities. You know what I'm worried about? Would you deal with it? Try me and know my anxieties and deal with them. So we understand he leads them in to the fold for protection. But on the way into the fold, he inspects them. And then it says you'll go in and out. You see, they're not going to stay in the fold 24 hours a day. In the morning, early in the morning, the shepherd leads them out of the fold. And he always leads them out early 
early in the morning. Why is that? In many of the places in which the sheep would thrive in the Middle East, it doesn't rain for a long time. Sometimes there's not clean water around. And the only sustainable moisture that these sheep would get would be early in the morning when there was dew on the grass. And when they grazed on that dewy grass, they would get enough water. Now, sheep may be like the rest of us, may be kind of lazy, don't want to get out in the morning. The shepherd lets them out of the fold, maybe perhaps when they would rather be somewhere else, but it's for their best benefit. And he leads them out to pasture, that they may go in and out and find pasture. Now, here's the pastures. Sheep don't know about these pastures when they're leaving the fold. Shepherd knows where they are. So it's logical, it's best for the sheep to follow the shepherd. You know why the shepherd knows where they are? The shepherd prepared them. The shepherd developed them. The shepherd planted them. That's how he knows where they are. And so they're dealing with the sheep being led out of the fold every morning. Being led in shows us security. Being led out shows us the opportunities that the shepherd gives to us and the provision of the shepherd and the leadership of the shepherd. This going in and out was not just something that Jesus mentioned concerning the the activity of the sheep. This was a Hebrew phrase, and we find it again back in Deuteronomy chapter 28. This phrase of going in and going out refers to our daily activities of life. The daily activities of life when all is well and all is going as planned. We go in and out, in and out, in and out. What I'm saying is, oh, same old routine. I'm going to work, going home, going to work, going home. We don't realize what a blessing it is till we're in an emergency room. Can't go to work the next day. Can't go to home that night because you're heading to a hospital somewhere. You know, a lot of times our biggest blessing of life is that same old door routine. And, And we don't realize how much, how precious it is until we don't have it. We are so ungrateful. But that same old door routine is worth more than gold. And all you have to do is be taken out of that routine and you'll realize how precious it is. Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 1. And it shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments which I command you today that the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth talking to the Hebrew children and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God blessed shall you be in the city and blessed shall you be in the country Blessed shall be the fruit of your body the produce of your ground the increase of your herds the increase of your cattle And the offspring of your flocks. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Listen to this. Blessed shall you be when you come in. And blessed shall you be when you go out. The good shepherd leads them in and out. 
to find pasture. You see, the picture of the good shepherd is one of protection. It's one of direction, and it's one of provision. But then we can't ignore the fact throughout the day we have nighttime taken care of. They're coming in. Morning taken care of. They're going out. And in verse 4, when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. All through the day, he goes before them. He goes before them, and he can see what the sheep can't see because he's trained to see the predators. He's trained to see the dangers. You know what the sheep see? That next mouthful of grass. That's all they're looking at. That's all they want to see. Somebody's got to look after them. And throughout the day, the shepherd goes before them. He knows the conditions of head, the head, and he knows the right path. I'm going out in the morning. The shepherd's before me in the middle of the day. I'm coming into protection at night. That's the life of the sheep that is under the care of the good shepherd. It's no wonder that David said in the 55th Psalm, verse 17, morning and evening and at noon, I'll pray to God because he is on call and available every hour of the day. The shepherd knows the safest way. The shepherd knows the best way. The question is, are you following him? Jesus said, the sheep hear the voice of the shepherd and follow that voice. The question is, Whose voice are we running to? Whose voice are we going to? Who are we responding to? You see, we have the personal choice as to whether to respond to Jesus Christ and follow him or go any, every which way. And sometimes sheep would do that. But every time the sheep strayed away from the shepherd, it was bad. It was bad. And it was dangerous. So I ask the question, are you following the shepherd? As we prepare for an invitational hymn, have you ever had that point where you entered into the fold through Jesus Christ and found that protection and safety of salvation? Perhaps you're here and you say, that's never happened in my life. This is a good time to do that. Maybe you're here and you say, yes, I can remember entering into the fold, but I have to admit, I'm following other voices I don't need to follow, and I want to make that right today. Maybe God is leading you concerning some other decision in your life. We know that his voice will never ask us to do anything outside of his word. So therefore, God is leading you concerning any decision, any prayer, any need, any worry, anything you need to talk to him about. This is the time and the place as we stand and sing.